Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the show. It is your Tuesday morning after an Auckland anniversary weekend, six past six. And uh, Izzy, uh, I know you were on yesterday with Sammy Hewitt, mate. Thanks for doing the hard yards while, while, while the Jaffers put their feet up. It's all good, it's all good. Great to have the boys back. Um, yeah, big big show yesterday was plenty happening over the weekend, but uh, how was your weekend, Ricardo, Robbie? Your boys all good? You refreshed? Did you get a wee, uh, a wee positive in the account balance, and how did you enjoy our Auckland anniversary? Auckland anniversary was a great weekend, yeah. yeah no, we, mm. uh, I went, went and checked out the Red Bull uh, Red Bull diving. They had that at the uh, yeah, Winyard Corner. Cool. Oh, mate, it was awesome. It was awesome. And you know that tower? That's yeah. Uh, I worked it out. Twenty eight. The top platform's twenty eight meters high, right? Mm. That's eight and a half stories, right? That's, yeah. that's a long way up. It's <laughs> a um, long way. Uh, but they actually, once they finish, because this was the last um, round of the year, that whole tower gets pulled down, and it's all made of like different. Um, uh, for simplicity's sake, let's just say plastic. It's basically made of plastic. They recycle the whole thing and make it into ba- reusable bags. Ah. Wow, man! That, oh, yeah, it's a beautiful um, platform that they've got there, and uh, the Auckland Wharf. And when you see, I saw so many videos of it over the weekend, and seeing these somersaults that these um, these jumpers were doing off them, I'm thinking, you are mad as anything. And being up and close would have been a hell of an experience. And the crowds were out there, mate. It was packed. Yeah, it was massive, man. It was it was really packed. And there were people there were because you know how I oh, I don't know. We we got there and um, some friends of mine um, are the basically direct all the photography. So they travel, they work for Red Bull. They just travel around the world, going to the cliff diving, and they direct mm. all the photography and stuff. And so they got us some passes. So we were sat with all like the families and stuff of the divers. And uh, yeah, the first question there was a, an Aussie family. They're like, oh, so who are you supporting? Like, the photographers? I don't know. I'm um, just here for the spectacle. You should have said, "Who's jumping?" Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. But because uh, it was quite windy, I mean, the weather wasn't great. Mm. It was quite windy. Um, but some of those uh, divers, they get right up to the edge, and then they do a handstand, and they would yeah. hold the handstand perfectly still for like five, ten seconds, and then do their jump. And we we're just watching. It was like, just, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And, and yes, I got a fill up. I got a fill up on Saturday. <laughs> so you went to the Red Bull and you got a fill up. It was a nice, productive weekend for you, uh, Ricardo. And, um, mate, it's a, it's a sport that's – look, I, I'll be completely honest. I, I probably I probably didn't res, – no, respect not the right word, but I, I didn't think that it would have the interaction and in, in the public watching it that it did. Like, it was packed. You could not see an empty spot along that wolf. And then seeing hybrid vines up there on the on the platform, the DJ um, duo and doing what they need to do. Wow, it was awesome. I'd love to go along to that. Yeah, mate. No, it was a good day. It was a good day. And, uh, yeah, plenty of people uh, getting mm. along. Saw lots of familiar faces. So it, it was good. What about, what about you, Rob Dog? You, you, you managed to uh, get a fill-up on Saturday? Morning, lads. Um, yeah, not, not, not really. Um, I, it's, it started all right. I, uh, Same. I, back, I backed centre in four. Which, oh, uh, yes. which was nice for oh. me, mate. You you were the talk of Friday night. We had a we had a catch up with some of the uh, the, the good people from Entain and some of the bookies and stuff as well. And I said to them because when we were looking had the tennis on and, t- and Novak was two down, I was like, "Oh, Robbie from Works taking Sydney to win three one at eight bucks," and they were like, "No way!" And so the whole place was watching, hoping that 
Novak would get one back, and then sort of, so we were we were kind of cheering on Robbie's punt rather than cheering <laughs> on the game. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, I tell you that. You know, I had a um, had a multi of yeah Sabalenka straight sets in the final um, into uh, yeah center and center and four. Uh, then unfortunately. Kind of blew it all again on the on the men's final when the exact opposite of what I thought was going to happen happened. I was like, you know, I could see. I, I think Sinner will start quicker. I could see Sinner just like wiping the floor and doing it in straight sets. Or if it goes to like five, I think Medvedev takes it. Complete opposite happened, and then Sinner just yeah took it in five the last three sets. So yeah, not 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 great for me in the in the men's final. But yeah, up and down weekend. Up and down. Weekend. Let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Robbie? Yep, yep, yep. We had a bet. We did. We had a bet, and a um, couple of times at the races, people were like, your hair's not red. <laughs> and I said, well, good to see you tuning in, bud. I really appreciate your support. Um, but the reality is I'm, I'm going to have to go red. I'm going to have to dye my hair red. Um and that will take place this week. And I will wear it for two shows. And then it's gone. Is that okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. You'll take the, okay, there, he'll allow it. There you go. That's good. What do you mean you'll allow it? There was no clarity. <laughs> like, That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, please. Just, oh, oh, I, I I'm a man of my word. Did wonder I'll for a moment. Get it today. Yeah, you, you've got a cap on, so I can't actually see you here. So I wonder if you. I wondered if you'd no, actually already done it. it. I haven't got it done today. Right. No, no, no. no. Right. But I, I will go have a look straight after this and sort of uh, look. I can't. I'll be honest. I can't do permanent. Crickets. Crickets. I can't do. I can't do permanent, Rob. Is that okay? Yeah, I think so. so yeah, I'll I think go. so. I'll, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you keep your sanity, <laughs> for... mate. Because there was no clarity. You should have said permanent. Got to keep it for five months. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, see. I see. I'll learn There's... for next time. Yeah, learn for next time. You I need clarity on, and precision on what you need done. I'm still wearing my blonde. Do you know what? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say. I'm, I'm not surprised you didn't say anything because I was the silly mug that said we'll go read. <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> I need a cop it here on the chin. But well done, well done to Sinner. And you must feel for Medvedev. He's won three Aussie. He's lost three Aussie Opens, and he's led two love in the first two games, two, oh. first two sets, and then he's dropped it to succumb to others. So you're starting to feel that Medvedev is probably hurting a wee bit. He's the mama Cass of tennis, eh? Mm. Absolute choke, absolute choke. Uh, text through, is he, this morning on double yep. eight double three. Uh I was just re-watching the final Wendy's Wicked over Australia. Do you think the whole world smiled? It's got to be the top <laughs> sporting moment. <laughs> yeah, I was like Ian Smith, and we've got to play some Smithy for you later on. He was on Staffy's show uh, yesterday watching him just absolutely fist pump. And I love seeing Adam Gilchrist as well giving uh, Brian Lara a big hug and genuinely smiling. And I think Pat Cummins swapped jerseys with Shamar Joseph. I think the whole of uh, world cricket understands the, the momentous of this occasion. Like, it is huge for West Indies cricket. They have struggled. They have been okay at T20 level. They've had some big hitters, some quality, but they've struggled as of late, particularly in test cricket. And their first win in 27 years, 
Made us outstanding. Test cricket is well and truly alive. People say it's dying, Ricardo. Well, you had England being India over in India, and you had West Indies being Australia and Australia for the first time in 27 years. Massive. Yeah, the Windies have struggled mm. a bit, mate. They didn't even qualify for the last ODI World Cup. That's how that's how bad things have been. So hopefully this is a uh, momentous turnaround event for them, uh, the Windies. But let's crack in to this, the three big questions of the day. Round one, fight. Both New Zealand Sevens teams out at mm. the quarterfinal stage in Perth. You worried about Paris, is he? Oh, I, I am for the men's. Yeah. I am... Genuinely worried about the men's side. Tomasi Thama's coming, and um, they just haven't got anything right. They bundled out in pool stages. I turn the TV on, they're playing for ninth place, and I'm like, what is going on here? Um, they are struggling big time. Whether it's a, a personnel structure, I, I don't know, but I, I played New Zealand Sevens in 2007. There was a guy called um, Tim Mickelson playing back in 2007. He is still playing now. 17 years yes. later. 17 years later. He is still... You cannot... Look, no disrespect to me. You're you're an outstanding bloke. You're the fittest man I've ever seen, ever. But you cannot tell me there is no one else out there that could take the... Take the... Take the... You know, the baton from Tim Mickelson. Like, we just... We don't look like we have any depth. We don't have any firepower. You look at Argentina and the way that they're playing, they are expansive, explosive. You've got Ireland that have come from nowhere, and both men's and women's, and they took out the women's side that have, that have won a tournament. They have a structure and a, a program in place that is that is going well. Well, whereas in New Zealand, we are limping along. From a women's side of things, I, I'm not too concerned. Yes, as of late, we, we've struggled, but... We still have some firepower. We have quality in that group. We're probably lacking a little bit of, um, well, decision making in, in the big moment. I think two red cards in that quarter final that that cost us a hell of a lot. And then just simple errors, catch and pass skill sets that let us down. But the quality is there. So from a women's factor, I'm not worried at all. I think we can go there and win golf. But from the men's, we need to do something really quick. Otherwise, it's going to be embarrassing. Yep. Okay. That's good. I like it. Round two. Nicely said. Around two. The story's doing the rounds, is he? Mm. That the Springboks are going to hire Tony Brown as their attack coach, which got me asking the question, could you coach against the All Blacks? Oh, look, it's a business. It's a, it's a business, and, um, you know, Tony Brown hasn't coached for the All Blacks. So it's probably not as on the same page as if Wayne Smith went and got an opportunity to coach for England like he was close to. Uh, there would be some big concerns there. So for for Tony Brown, the thing that I'm concerned about is this is South Africa, the world champs, mm. that are, are getting a guy that is going to open up their minds to something that they've probably never seen before. He is very, very creative with his approach. He will get these South African players playing a game in a brand of rugby that they won't be accustomed to. So that is my concern that this is going to be great for South African rugby when you've got Tony Brown. And the, the other thing is, is this is the end of the Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown era. Mm, it is. Two, uh, two, two coaches that have done everything together. Hollanders, they've gone to Japan, they've gone to Sunwolves, they've gone pretty much around the globe as a partnership and now they're breaking away and Tony Brown's going to be unveiled apparently as a South African um 
South African uh, coaching group. Uh, could I do it? I probably couldn't because I wouldn't want to be a coach anyway. Um, but, mate, it's a business, and Tony Brown's got an opportunity to go and coach in the best rugby team in the world. And why not? Why not, indeed. Uh, Brendan Nell, South African rugby journalist, joining us at 7.40 mm. to discuss uh, this and more. Uh, finally, round three. Jeff Daniels, the actor. He was in Dumb and Dumber mm. with Jim Carrey. He told mm. this story about Clint Eastwood. First time I met Clint Eastwood, I went to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am golf tournament. I'm in the breakfast tent. All of a sudden, Clint Eastwood comes walking across the breakfast tent, and he's looking right at me. And he comes, Jeff Daniels. Yep, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood, yes. I saw Dumb and Dumber. He said, the toilet scene? I said, yes, yes, sir. That happened to me. I hope you're not using the toilet. It's broken. Uh, that, I saw that yesterday come up of Jeff Daniels' interview, and I just went, that is, uh, A, it's random, but very funny as well. So got me thinking, the most random or funny famous person interaction you've ever had. Have you got one for oh, us? I, I've got I've got one, but just on that toilet scene, yeah. how awkward is it when you when you go use someone else's <laughs> toilet and then you go to flush it and it slowly the water level just slowly starts to rise to just in line level with the bowl, about to overflow, and you're thinking, please don't, please don't, please don't, and then it just slowly goes down the hole. Oh, yes, that's probably the biggest celebration you ever have when you're at someone else's house. And that's enough toilet talk. Hell of a scene. Um, for me, probably the funniest and just sums them up through and through. Would have a story I've spoken about a few times, and I'm going to repeat it again. But it would have to be at the New Zealand Open, New Zealand Golf Open down there in Queenstown, and you've seen blokes that you grew up watching on the sporting arena, and you're like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm running, rubbing shoulders with these." Champions, and I'm going to be doing it with Ash Barty in a couple of weeks. I cannot wait for that. But it'll have to be the first time I saw Shane Warne, and I'm like, "That's Warney, that's Warney, like the goat, the man, the spin king." And what does he do? Well, he's standing on the putting green before the New Zealand Open professional event with about 28 pros putting and practicing warming up, and he is smoking like a train, <laughs> smoking like a train. And I'm watching him going. Wow, does he just do what he wants to do? Yes, he does. Shane Warne smoking like a train, and all you see is this big puff of cloud go up, and it's like the biggest cloud you've ever seen, and it just goes across the entire green, and it en- and it just engulfs all these professional golfers trying to win the New Zealand Golf Open, and he doesn't have a care in the world. And I just said, that's Warney. So that for me will have to be the the funniest. Um, interaction or moment where I've seen a, a celebrity who I've been pretty pretty fond of um, just not giving a <laughs> giving a hell. <laughs> doesn't care. Doesn't care. We want to hear from you too. Double eight, double three. You, you, have you got a, uh, an interaction with a famous person, whether it's funny, whether it's random, mm. the strangest place you've seen one? Give us a text, double eight, double three, or you can call us 0800 150 We'll have more from you shortly. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments.
It is 6.27, call us anytime, 0800 150 811 or give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine, the number 8833. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And uh, Izzy, 8833, the text line's been going off. Yep, has DJ Tim's come through. Mate, I was so gutted for Lydia Co yesterday, dropped her ball on her roses then lost it. DJ Tim, Timmy, I know you actually messaged me. I was on my way home from uh, from a walk, and I just got home, and they were into the playoff hole. And well done to Nelly Corder. She eagled and birdied her last two holes to go through to a playoff with Lydia Ko, and then they went to a two-hole playoff, and Lydia Ko three putted the last to lose um, to Nelly Corder, and Lydia Ko was chasing back-to-back titles in the LPGA. And if she had got that result, Ricardo. She would have been uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. She's one win away from being in the Hall of Fame. Not that she would probably care about those accolades and those kind of rewards, but, uh, yeah, she was so close. She's on a heater at the moment, and I'm going to do my best to to get her on over the next couple of days. I'm going to – I I sent her a message yesterday saying Mm. congratulations. I'm just going to let it simmer for a bit, and then I'm going to go back with a, will you come on the show? Because that's what I did last week, while not realising that she was backing it up straight away. So she was already preparing to play this weekend. (laughs) So we'll do our best, and I'll be gutted if TB went there, but it might be great for rugby as a whole in regards to Tony Brown taking – potentially taking the role at South African Rugby. And we've got Brandon – Brendan now – coming on uh, to talk about that South African journalist as well. So uh, plenty coming up. Another big message there as well, Rick Dog. Yeah, this one uh, from uh, Aussie from Auckland. Gents, mm. as much as we hate losing anything, you won't find too many Aussies who would begrudge the Windies' victory. As a child of the 70s and 80s who grew up uh, hero-worshipping the likes of Richards, Garner and Lloyd, I got no joy out of watching the one-sided results of the modern era. So that win brought a genuine smile to my face. Mm as did the cheeky bet I had them on them at 12 bucks at the beginning of the day's play. Nicely played, wow. Aussie. And you only had to listen to the reaction of the Gabba crowd to know that I wasn't on my own. Now, cheers. Uh, awesome. Uh, uh, Aussie from Auckland, mate. Yeah, you're right there. I, I think there was there was plenty of that. And, uh, yeah, the Windies, uh, they were kind of a bit like Brazil in football, weren't they? They were everybody's second team for a long time. Everybody yep. wanted to see them win, so long as they weren't playing your side. And, uh, yeah, look, good, good to see them being back competitive and getting that win. Well, you look at the the players that they've given us over the years. You've got DJ Bravo, you've got Chris Gale, you've got Chanda Paul, um, you've got Brian Lara, you've got Garfield, you've got Sobers, you've got Richards, you've got Walsh, you've got Love, like just some rock stars from the Caribbean. And it was it's good, man. When they're, when they're on, they, they bring... A lot of entertainment. So one thing I love about them, they're just good people, man. They love it. They're just having fun. Shamar Joseph, when he got that last wicket against Hazelwood, he ran off the park. You could just see his smile. Wasn't even meant to play that day. Went out and inspired his nation to a historical win. So, right, when they're flying, Test Cricket is well and truly flying. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Uh, that was a superb sight. And, uh, yeah, a couple of great days of Test Cricket. Speaking of cricket...
Juan Baz McCullum coming up on the mm. show just after 7 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. We'll also talk to Brendan Nell about the uh, rugby and Tony Brown as well out of South Africa around 7.40. After 8 o'clock, we talk to Jay Carter. Golf, uh, we have got some great young players coming through. What is the state of the nation in terms of golf as well? And uh, Love Racing Update, Mark Chittick's going to join us as well before 9 o'clock. All of that and more to come before 7 o'clock. We're going to talk NFL with uh, Steve Williams from the All Chiefed Up podcast after his Kansas City Chiefs got up over the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Right now, though, here is Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Take any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's back to work time at Bunnings Trade, and we have got some sports news headlines for you. The Russian figure skater Kamila Velieva has received a four-year doping ban, effectively stripping the Russian Olympic Committee of its gold medal in the team event from the 2022 Beijing Winter Games nearly two years after the fact. And it's long away to ruling the highest court in sport found Velieva guilty of committing an anti-doping rule violation that rattled the Beijing Olympics and frustrated competitors who are still waiting for their medals from, an event, from the event to be allocated. Kamila Velieva is found to have committed an anti-doping rule violation and has been sanctioned with a four-year period of ineligibility commencing on the 25th of December 2021, the Court of Arbitration for Sports said. The court added that all competitive results achieved since that date are voided, including the gold medal she helped the Russian (laughs) Olympic Committee win in the team event in the 2022 Games. Wow. (laughs) Are you surprised? No. At all? (laughs) No. Not at all. Holy. Yeah, holy heck, all right. A second high-profile football manager has announced his decision to step down at the end of the season following the wake of Jurgen Klopp announcing that he's going to step down Mm. at Liverpool. Xavi, the former Barcelona midfield star and now manager, has said he will step down at the end of the current season as well. He announced the decision after Barca lost to Villarreal to be 10 points off La Liga leaders Real Madrid. He said, The feeling of being Barca coach is unpleasant. It is cruel. You feel that often there is a lack of respect. You feel like they do not value your work and this wears you down terribly. It affects your mental health. I'm a positive person, but the energy goes down to a point where you think there is no sense in continuing. Is that Xavi Alonso? Uh, no, that's uh, he's. This is Zavi, uh, who oh. uh, yeah, Zavi Alonso was is currently at Bayer Leverkusen. Okay, I thought that was oh, that's surprising. Is he going to go back and coach uh, Liverpool? <laughs> there, there, he's come out with their, that situation. Oh, look, it's it's it was an interesting. We had a, a big conversation about it yesterday, Jurgen Klopp, and that uh, resignation at the end of the year, mm. which was surprising for most, particularly after where he's got this club to from where they have been. They are winning the what they're leading the the EPL at the moment. So, but he's come out. He's tired. And for you, your reaction to that, Ricardo? We didn't have you on here yesterday. What was your reaction? Were you surprised? And what do you see Jurgen doing going forward? There was someone said he might potentially go coach Germany. Yeah, that's a possibility. I think. Yeah, I was I was shocked. I didn't see it coming. Um, I was actually mm. listening to a podcast with a guy who covers uh, the Merseyside uh, football scene for uh, one of the big papers in the UK, and uh, he said, like, you know, he's at every press conference. Had no idea. Mm. He said when the press release came out that they were having a uh, a press conference the next day at the training ground. He was like, oh, this would be one of those. They've re-signed Dunkin' Donuts as a sponsor. or You know, it was, <laughs> he wasn't even sure he was going to go. And then um, the video dropped, and he was like, oh. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think too many people saw it coming. But it's interesting, isn't it, mm. Izzy, that you've seen you and Klopp put his hand up and go, I'm tired. I'm just, you know, yeah. it, it, this has worn me out. And now we've seen Xavi 
same thing. Go like you know, it's just mm. yeah, it's too much, too much, too much. So uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, as I mentioned, she's not a fan. Absolutely stoked that he's gone. Uh, where's he? Gonna, <laughs> where's he going to go? Yeah, I think Germany is an option. I actually would not be surprised if he takes over Bayern Munich. Um, okay. They've been through a couple of coaches recently. They've got Thomas Tuchel in charge at the moment. Bayern have won the last 11 German league titles, but mm. they're currently seven points off the top, and things haven't gone well, and they're, they're struggling. to. sounds like Tuchel's kind of at odds with a couple of the players in the squad. So yep. I wouldn't rule out Tuchel getting the boot at the end of the season, and maybe Klopp goes in there. Uh, Real Madrid okay. are looking for somebody to replace Carlo Ancelotti at some point as well. So maybe he takes a year off, and then he can just cherry-pick his job. Yeah, well, he's going to have options. He's a fantastic football mind, and what he's done for the club and and the people. Where Chris Pyle, on former goalkeeper um, and goalkeeper coach, yesterday talking about the club and and what it's like and and where they are now and just what kind of person Jurgen is. And yeah, it painted a, a nice picture. Hopefully, he's not lost the football forever. But yeah, look, it's it's high pressure. That is pressure is a privilege when you're playing at top level, and you know it can be tiring and demanding physically, emotionally on your on your family. So he's made that decision, and uh, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, and see what the future holds for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, we will indeed. Uh, carrying on, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are hiring mm. former. LA Chargers and Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. That's according to ESPN. The move comes two days after the Eagles hired Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator. The first move of the coaching staff overhauled by Nick Sirianni. Moore will replace Brian Johnson, who was fired earlier this week. They're having a real clear out the Eagles after things went sideways. So they lost six of their last seven at the end of the yeah. season. Catch every NFL game live this season on Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit nfldazone.com forward slash NFL. Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with an amazing with amazing value on a huge range. Those are sports headlines. Speaking of NFL, Steve Williams from the All Chiefed Up podcast is next. It is 17 away from 7 o'clock. 0800 150 is how you can get hold of us. Uh, joining us now from the All Chiefs Up podcast is the good-looking one of the two brothers, Mike and Steve Williams, that uh, host it. Steve joins us. Uh, uh, good morning, Steve. And, and how stoked are you right now about being in another Super Bowl? Uh, good morning, guys. Pleasure to be here. Um, couldn't be happier, man. It's a great time to be a Chiefs fan, right? Great time to be a Chiefs fan. It, it is because of where you are now. You're in the Super Bowl. But did you have that feeling all season? Because it's been a bit of a rocky road this season, hasn't it? I mean, you, you, the home form has been a bit patchy. What, 5-4 and four and only 11-6 and six for the season. Not as dominant as it's been in the past. Uh, absolutely. That, that Super Bowl feeling wasn't necessarily there all season. I can say that. But uh, we did feel confident if we just, you know, punched our ticket to the playoffs. With Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, you can run off three or four games, right? Like, so we always had that confidence. We just have to, you know, kind of persevere all the the struggles they had during the season, which was mainly wide receiver related. So it's like we just got a little bit to work out. I mean, the defense was great all season. It's on that defense. Defensively, you were outstanding yesterday. I think you uh, got four sacks. You bought blitzes left, right, and center. You put so much pressure on Lamar Jackson uh, throughout that performance, mate. Defensively, you made him. You may have exposed the weakness in the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I knew that they had to put pressure on him and contain mm. him at the same time. I mean, you have to make Lamar pass the ball, right? Because mm. if you let him roll out of the pocket, he's going to kill you with his legs. I mean, he is a freak athlete, and uh, you have to give him his props. But, I mean, Steve Spagnolo, I think he's the most underrated defensive coordinator in football. He's the best one, period. And I think he had that game plan uh, perfect, man. I, I knew he would. I had confidence in it. Uh, but, yeah, the defense really shut him down. Flip the script. You think the Ravens, okay, you take out Kelsey, you take out Mahomes, that goes and win a long way to winning the game. Well, the first scoring play was Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Surely they would have prepared for that. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> um, all, all season long, teams have been trying to remove Travis Kelsey from the game plan, right? Like just double team him, triple team him because – hey, the other receivers aren't going to do much. But I think the late emergence of Rasheed Rice is what kind of scared some people to, back to uh, maybe laying off Kelsey just a little bit. I, th I think Rasheed Rice's presence on the field, uh, even though it wasn't major yesterday, I think he only mm -hmm. had like four receptions for 40 yards. I think it's just enough to open Travis Kelsey back up in this offense and let him and Mahomes work, man. Where do you think the Chiefs are at the moment? Is this still a work in progress? Because, I mean, what we've seen this season is certainly a more of a focus from Andy Reid in, in terms of uh, personnel and things on, on settling out your defence, uh, and that has taken away. You've lost a few big pieces in offence. Um, absolutely. I mean, last year, uh, after they won the Super Bowl, that was a thing that Brett Veach and Patrick Mahomes made very clear, is like this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And I feel like mm. this season was even more of a rebuilding year than last season. It just goes to show you, like, how dominant Patrick Mahomes can be. Because just having him on your team, it doesn't matter if you're rebuilding the rest of the team. Like, he's still going to find a way to win games. But to your point, they have been working on this defense. I mean, it's a very young defense. It might be the youngest one in the entire NFL. But Steve mm. Spagnuolo has these guys playing top-notch. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes and his career already. He has achieved so much. There was a, a stat on, on the TV yesterday where he was amongst some of the greats, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, um, and so on, like players that have played and a part of the Hall of Fame. He's relatively fresh into his career, mate. Like, Can you put into words what this bloke does for your team, what he means to the Kansas City Nation? and what he's about to do if he achieves the 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 ultimate again in a couple of weeks' time. Right. So putting it into words is not easy. Uh, being a Chiefs <laughs> fan for the last 30-plus years, uh, we've definitely had our lows. And uh, getting Patrick Mahomes, uh, mm. just incredible what he's been able to do in six seasons. I think, like, a lot of people have him in that GOAT conversation and stuff. And, of course, you can't say he's better than Brady or anything like that if you're talking about accolades. But if you go by the first six seasons, which is all we have to go by with Mahomes, I think he's the best to ever do it. And it's took – I mean, this franchise is just on another level now. Got to ask you, Steve, how many Taylor Swift records do you own? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have anything Taylor Swift. Uh, I'll tell you, we'll talk about that for just a second. But, like, I, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan or anything like that, but I don't hate her, and I'm not mad about what's going on. I, I think it's so weird that people let that get 
to them so much like they can't even enjoy a football game you know <laughs> yeah we, we've, we've already we've already had a message into the studio from josh down on the west coast of uh, the south island in new zealand saying it's a great effort from the chief chiefs taylor swift's rookie season and she's off to the super bowl um <laughs> do, do, as, a, as a chiefs fan do you think sometimes do you get a bit annoyed about that i mean is that they sort of distract from the actual conversation Honestly, I don't. I just think it kind of just blends in with the rest of the Chiefs' hate because the Chiefs, uh, you know, of course they were like a nobody. They were like a flyover state in Kansas City, and no one really cared about them up until Mahomes made like put them on the map. And now they get that hate that, that they're like the Patriots were getting, you know, in the 2000s. And it's just like it all kind of blends in together. I mean, even like you know, the Chiefs get all the calls, and and they're scriptwriters that went. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl, and like it all blends into me, you know. Mate, the owners of the of the club will be absolutely loving Taylor Swift's influence, mate. With the following <laughs> she has, and all the jerseys and merch that she will be selling. Um, but let's look forward. The 49ers were made to work extremely hard up against Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, and the Detroit Lions yesterday. Well, I was lucky enough to go to Super Bowl in Miami when the 49ers took on the Kansas City Chiefs, when they came back from 17 points down for Patty Mahomes to win his maiden Super Bowl ring. Uh, how do you see that playing out, mate? And uh, can they do enough to stop uh, Debo Samuels and Brock Purdy in the 49ers, Cal Shanahan? So I think with the against the 49ers, the Chiefs just have to play a complete game. you got to play all four mm. quarters. If you notice in the playoffs here, uh, it looks like the Packers had them dead to rights. It looks like the Lions had yeah. them dead to rights, but they're just not going away. They're a very talented team, and I think they're uh, a very well-coached team. They're patient, and they, they will get the job done. So I think the Chiefs have to be able to play all four quarters and just play smart, fundamental football. But I think our defense has proved that they can shut down just about anybody in this league. So I'm not really worried about that. I just think if the Chiefs come in with the same intensity they've had in the playoffs so far – they're in a very good spot to win another Lombardi. The 49ers, as you talked about them, they remind me of, you know, the the Terminator from uh, from from T2. <laughs> just, you know, just as you thought he was dead, he'd get back up. Arnold ended up having to drop him in a vat of molten metal to get the win. Uh, what do you think uh, the Chiefs <laughs> need to do to stop the Niners? I mean, honestly, they have talent all over the field. But I think the one thing you can't do is let Christian McCaffrey beat you to death on the ground. Mm. Uh, the Chiefs, thats if there's been anything suspect about the Chiefs' defense all year, it's maybe been the running defense. And I think this is where they really have to step up. I think if they can, you know, limit um, what Christian McCaffrey can do, uh, put the make Brock Purdy beat you. Like, I'm not mm. a Brock Purdy hater, but I don't think he's as great as people think he is. Um so I think you have to make him beat you. And uh, our cornerbacks have been locked down this year. Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed. Uh, I think I think that's what you got to do. You got to make them throw. Got to make them throw. Have you got a prediction? Uh, not yet, but I'll, I'll throw one out there. Sure. <laughs> Give it to us. As <laughs> he's All gone right. deep for you. <laughs> let's do this. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Thirty-five, twenty-seven, Kansas City. Mate, that's what we're we'll with. That'll be a hell of a Super Bowl if that's a, if that, if that's our final score come uh, come Super Bowl in a couple of weeks' time. Steve Williams, thanks very much for your time today, sir. I really appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work at the All Chiefs Up uh, podcast and YouTube channel, eh? 
All right. I appreciate you guys. Same. Yeah, appreciate you too. Thanks, Thanks very much. Steve Williams there with us. It's uh, seven away from seven o'clock. Double eight, double three. Uh, keen to get your thoughts on that. And also, we're talking about unusual, funny, random run-ins with famous people. Have you got one? Send it through to us. Double eight, double three. Temper bed post text machine. Seven away from seven. A couple of minutes away from seven o'clock. Just a reminder: just after seven, we've got Baz McCallum with us, uh, the England cricket coach, of course, uh, formerly part of this show as well. He's going to join us out of India. We're going to talk that big first Test win against the Indians in India as well. Uh, but Izzy, tell you what, old Sammy Hewitt's been a busy man. Guess who Mark Stafford is going to be talking to at 1 o'clock this afternoon? Who has he got? Sir Clive Lloyd, West Indies wow. legend. A West Indies legend is on just after 1 o'clock with Staffy right here on SENZ. So that is uh, that is fantastic. Uh, it's a good get. No, it's a great get. Looking forward to, uh, to hearing that. Uh, now, I've got a, a text here. It says, Morena Ricardo, I ran into a 66 test all black wearing slippers. I was in my nomads from Ed. Yeah, I was, I was copping it on the weekend. I, I was wearing um, <laughs> some some loafers with no socks. But that's the style. That's the fashion. I don't know. I've got like some sort of thing that I need to do, whereas I need to see my ankles. Oh, yeah. And I hate wearing socks. So, yeah, I usually wear no socks. So the, the downside to that is they usually get toe jammy. Yeah, and they start stinking after a couple, but that's right. You just get Granny's Granny's remedy or whatever that thing is. You powder, you put in your shoes, and you and you put it in there. So, have you got some behind you? Yeah, I got some Shoal Fresh Step shoe spray uh, from oh, Chemist Warehouse that you can just spray I need in there, some mate. Of that. I'll get I'll, I'll send that down to you, mate. I'll send that down to you for your loafers. Uh, coming up in the next hour, Brendan Nell to talk South African rugby and Baz McCullum as well on that big win in India. Kia ora, good morning, 7.03 here on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Big old morning coming up. Baz McCullum not too far away from joining us, Izzy, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to your old uh, sparring partner. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if he has been focused on the cricket or focused on uh, what's been going on over here. We know he loves the, the equine, he loves the, the horses, and he's got a big old stable with the Caracasals are on at the moment. And uh, we're going to have Mark Chittick out of Waikato start on at about 8.40ish. He's already sold a, a few. I think he's got 75 on his lot. Wow. So he's got a busy couple of days ahead. But, um, yeah, look, we're, we're going to have a chat to him about that big one. Tom Hartley is obviously the big name from that performance. Ollie Pope, 196 in that second innings against India. Over there in Indian conditions, so... Uh, yeah, big, big couple of hours coming up talking all all of that. Yeah, yeah, Baz, uh, just uh, standing by. We'll get to him shortly. Also coming up this hour, Brendan Nell from South Africa, rugby mm. journalist, on the news that Tony Brown is going to be made the Springboks attacking coordinator or attacking coach. Uh, that's an interesting one. Jay Carter as well, the uh, New Zealand golf coach, uh, and talking some of the uh, great golfing talent, Izzy, that we've got coming through at the moment mm. in New Zealand ranks, uh, including, of course, uh, Kazuma Kabori, who's now had back-to-back wins as a pro. So Jay Carter coming out. We've got all of that coming your way shortly. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 to your local night and day. Of course, 8833 is how you get hold of us. We were talking earlier about 
random run-ins you've had with famous people, and uh, Jamie's texted us through. <laughs> Got into a lift one night with Jeanette McDonald, a.k.a. Lynn of Tower. She's a famous New Zealand comedian and actress. Uh, she's pretty tipsy uh, and just rambled <laughs> at me. Uh, so thanks, Jamie, for your for your text. Keep those coming through, double A double three. Oh, the man that used to be the skipper of the show, uh, he is now running another cutter. It is the England cricket team. Baz McCullum joins us out of Hyderabad. G'day, Baz. How you doing? All right, lads. How's it? Very good, actually. I bet it is very good, mate. I bet it's very good. Uh, what a way to turn around, uh, turn around a test match, mate. I mean, for all those detractors of test cricket, just watch your blokes win over India and the Windies get up over the Aussies. And, man, that is the magic of test cricket. How does it feel? No, nah, it feels good. Look, boys were obviously, um, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball for for a fair bit of the game, but the belief never wavered, you know. We've got a, we've got a skipper who's got an incredible ability to bind the team together and and uh, and a unit which which fully believes even in difficult um, conditions. So we were able to overcome uh, a very good Indian side and you now we, we got a little bit of luck along the way as well and, and ultimately we achieved what uh, the skipper put down as under our current... Um, I guess uh, regime uh, defined as our greatest test uh, test success so far. So yeah, it was it was really good, and and we're obviously pleased to to be now one 0 up in a, in a five match series. It's unreal, Baz. It's uh, it was test match cricket as well and truly alive. There was two games simultaneous that were taking place, and I was switching back and forth watching them both all unfold, and the results that probably many. Never really predicted, but tell us about that belief throughout that match, particularly after that first innings when you were rolled for 246 and then India put 420 on you, mate. What, what was said in the change rooms? Yeah, as we're sort of, we we're pretty calm, to be honest, mate. We, we thought 240 mm. odd was actually a pretty good score on, the, on that surface at that stage. I think the wicket sort of, it kind of, it was a little bit tacky to start, so it turned a little bit more mm. than... Um, during that stage, and, and then we felt that that it sort of naturally slowed up a little bit, so batting became a little bit easier, and we were hopeful <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that the wicket would then start to take some some real bite later on, and and I think it did. So, you know, we we're you know we we're, we we're content with 240 odd, and and we had a couple of things go against us, you know, um, some tight calls, and and a little bit of luck didn't go our way um, when we bowled, um, but we. We kind of hung in there, and and I thought the attitude was fantastic right the way through, and you know we we were able to see one of the greatest innings I've ever seen in the subcontinent from a from an overseas player and Ollie Pope's 190 oh, odd, yeah. um, and then you know the guys guys chipped in around him, so it was it was really impressive from 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 that point of view, and then obviously when we when we had our turn to bowl and, and try and bowl us to a Test victory, the guys really stepped up, and young Tom Hartley who. Uh, who's on debut and who's only played you know a handful of first class games and was probably a bit of a punt selection wise um, but we saw something in him that that we thought would uh, would work over there and he's a tough character and, and the way that the skipper handled him was um, was quite remarkable and and he obviously bowled us to a test win so yeah there's so many different emotions you know like for a period mm. there we were we were obviously under the bat <laughs> uh, and then to be able to come out on top. Um, you know, the guys have, have taken a lot of confidence and we're really pleased last night, but also know that it is a long series and, you know, we've, we've got some work to do and India will bounce back, bounce back strong, but we certainly celebrated last night. 
You hear love, you love seeing new names burst onto the scene. You got Samar Joseph over in the West Indies bowling some absolute heat, and they've got Hartley bowling for uh, for for England uh, getting a Test win. Just just tell us about that selection. He's only played a handful of domestic cricket. Well, very few, really, really inexperienced. What did you see? And what were you saying to him after that first nine overs he bowled? I think he went for for 68, two sixes in his first over against Yasmal. And, uh, mate, he was under under the pump. Yeah, you know, like, like when we picked Tom, it was sort of people raised their eyebrows a little bit. But let's not mm. forget, and I think this is quite a pertinent point, like, like Nathan Lyon, he only played, I think, a handful of first-class games and averaged 40-odd when he first got picked for Australia, and he's gone on to have a fabulous career. You know, like when you see, when you see guys that you think who are good enough um, and who you think are going to suit the conditions, it's sort of horses for courses. So you got to back, you got to back your judgment on things like that. And and he was a guy who, who we saw a little bit of, and and we thought he might, um, you know, be able to, uh, to be able to perform in conditions like this. And you know, no one ever foresees seven for sixty odd on debut or nine for the match. Uh, you got what sixty odd runs, a, a run out in the catch. Yeah. No one ever foresees that. But yeah, sometimes you just gotta you gotta be a little bit brave as well with with selections. And if you like a character and you like their skill set and you think it's gonna be suited to the conditions, then then it's kind of an educated punt. So look, he was fantastic. I thought the way that that the captain, you know, Ben Stokes, the way he handled uh, Tom Hartley in the first innings when. He bowled him an extended spell, regardless of the fact that he was getting um, put under pressure by by the Indian batters. I thought that was was a real sign of of leadership, and also it was a clear message to not just Tom, but but those that are around the squad that you know when we talk about freedom, we talk about taking the game on and trying to come in and make a difference. You're not going to be cast aside or, or taken uh, taken out of the crease, uh, taken off the crease. Sorry, from you know the first sign of danger. So you know I thought it was it was a magnificent sort of decision by the skipper to do that and I think you know it, it allowed Tom to to feel like he belonged and he knew his, he knew what his role was so you know that came up trumps in the end but you know you've got to have a bit of a punt sometimes and this one came off it did indeed it did indeed uh what about Joey Bashir mate I mean you know we uh, all know about the issues he had with a with a visa and uh you know there might be some political overtones to that given his Pakistani heritage but uh, he's back in the camp now he'll be, he'll be he'll be part of uh preparation for the second test how's he feeling about things and and did that situation help gel the team even more yeah look Bash, he um he was obviously with us during our camp in Abu Dhabi and he really impressed with with his skill set, he was he fitted in seamlessly within the group, and he's a guy who's got an immense amount of enthusiasm, albeit at a young age, and, and pretty limited in his his first class experience. But he again, like Tom Hartley, he was a guy who we looked at and we we thought he he's got some skills which which could assist us in these conditions. And um, you know, well, obviously the visa visa situation that's just life, right? Like sometimes that happens, and mm. um, and you know, everyone was doing everything that they could to try and resolve the situation is just some red tape you've got to cut through at times so you know he's here now he turned up yesterday he turned up at the perfect time really uh, when he arrived the boys <laughs> gave him a huge a huge cheer and um and he got to witness <laughs> something pretty special um with with the fellows bowling uh, bowling us to a test win so look he comes into, cal- into calculations for the the next test match um if the wickets continue to spin as much as what we saw in the first test um as the series goes on Look, we won't be afraid to to play 
to play uh, all seam, uh, all spinners or or, uh, or a balance of, of what we've got. So, you know, he, he'll be excited. But it's great to have him here. He's, he's a great kid and, and he's got an uh, infectious kind of personality and, and uh, it's nice to have him around us. Vaz, what does the next couple of days look like? Uh, I'm just doing some reading here. Ravindra Jadeja's out. KL Rahul's ruled out of the second test. Does that change things up? For your approach, and are you predicting anything different? I can't imagine that India will go anything away from a spinning wicket. Yeah, I don't really know. It's like we're sort of, and you know what I'm like. I like to, you know, we plan as if we live forever, but we'll live as if we'll die tomorrow. Sort of mentality. Like we'll we'll enjoy where we sit at the moment, and we'll we'll just sort of lap up, you know, the 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 great experience that we've had over the last few days, and. Tomorrow we'll travel through to uh, to Vizag and and once we get there we'll start to turn our attention to that game and and have a look at the conditions and and make a call. You know you're not going to get every call right, um, mm. especially in conditions over here. It's hard to read some of these wickets, right? Um, but we'll we'll make a decision and then we'll we'll go we'll go quids in on trying to uh, trying to commit to that and and see where we land. But look, I, obviously you know Jadeja and Kale Raul and and also Virat Kohli who's obviously um, mm. Not playing the next game as well. It's you know you want to play against the best, and and you know it's disappointing for for the Indian side that that, uh, that those guys won't be available. But they've also got incredible talent pool to pick from. So whoever comes in will will be uh, will be difficult. So we're going to make sure we do our homework on them. Baz, you're obviously at the coalface uh, in India. Yeah, they they've gone from you know a day in looking like oh we're gonna we're gonna walk this series to all of a sudden missing three big players and being a test down going into the second test. Have you noticed a a shift in the uh, in the mood, uh, particularly with the Indian media? Yeah, I don't read anything like that, boys. Yeah. I only my phone's on to answer, answer your fella's call, Good. send a message to mates and my missus, and have a punt on the TAB. That's about it. Yeah. Oh, and just on that, mate, you'll you'll have half a foot in that crack of sales, mate. What's been going on? Anything been added to the bad stable? And did you have a fill up on the weekend, mate? As I've already told you, boss, forty-five percent tax in the UK absolutely kills you. So, you know, Bear's got no dice. He's got he's got no bank. <laughs> Take it on. But we'll have a look. There's a couple. There's a couple there that I wouldn't mind having a having a little go at. But you know, I'm more of the like when I when I go to Cracker and I'm, you know, you go through and you look at everyone's drafts and and you see all the all the horses and you go through the catalogue and all that. I, I love being there and being able to touch it and feel it and sort of you know walk into the into the parade ring and, and put your hand up. When you're when you're not there, it sort of feels a little bit uh, a little bit further away. So I might might save a few quid while I'm over here, but we'll see. I'll I'll give you a call if I buy some fellas. Okay? <laughs> I know you will. Every time I get a call, but oh, what's he got here? He got five percent. He got ten percent. Does he know I've just sold my jet but I've got to spend a little bit of disposal there. So maybe we'll have a chat there, Bess. Anyway, brother, oh, we appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on the show. Well done on that in that first uh, test match against India. It was a hell of a win. Test match cricket is well and truly alive, particularly with the West Indies being in Australia for the first time in 27 years over in Australia, mate. Uh, enjoy the next couple of days, couple of weeks, plenty of golf on cards? Uh, I think we're going to play not tomorrow, day after. And, yeah, I reckon I've found something on the golf course. So we'll see. 
we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> what have you found? That driver? Oh, mate. It's so long. I mean, last time we played, I was, I was only about 10 yards past you, but could be a bit further now. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, honestly, he goes over with a 12 handicap. He comes back, he's a two handicap. Well, you tell me that. Is that coaching or is that coaching? What a gig, eh? What a gig. <laughs> well, we've got we've got Jay, Jay Carter coming up on the show, Baz, talking about emerging New Zealand golfing talent. Your name might come up. No, nah, I'm too old. I'm too old. Hey, good luck, lads. Thanks, thanks for the chat. Cheers, mate. Go well. Appreciate it, Baz. See you, brother. There you go. Has McCullum, uh, coach of the England cricket team, with us here on SENZ. Hmm. The, the TAB have already got odds out for the second test, is he? And uh, India $1.48, England three ten, the draw $10.80. Yeah, well, for um, Jadeja out and Rahul out and um, some some you know some players coming back for England, it wouldn't be a bad bet going for England. This like it was good to hear him talk about what they've achieved over the last, you know, wee while with Bears at the helm, Stokes leadership, what they've been able to do for England cricket to get them back to where they traditionally have been in the past. Saying that that moment winning that Test match in India was probably their greatest achievement as a group, and it was cool um, hearing him talk about that. And and I love his eye for talent. Mm. You know, imagine being a young player in England. And traditionally, coaches in the past have looked past them, haven't really taken any notice. Well, Bears, his eye for talent and allowing players, doesn't matter what your background is, how much experience you have, if you have the talent or, or the, the game that is going to suit those conditions, we will give you a crack. And we've and you've seen that. Like he, We know he loves a punt. He loves a punt on the horses, mm. and it transitions into the game of sport. He has a punt. Sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. With Tom Hartley, you're thinking after that first innings, it wasn't going to come off. He finds a way and he wins a test match for India, uh, for England. Yeah, and I, I thought it, he, he summed himself up quite well, actually, Baz. I, mm. Like, I'd been trying to find a way of summing up his approach to things and hadn't been able to put it into words, and then he put it into words. He said, we plan like we're going to live forever, but we mm. play like we're going to die tomorrow. So it's just like, <laughs> I was like, that is brilliant. I love that. I love that. Look forward, never look back, mate. Aggressive as hell. Um, oh, it's, it's great. And you can see that the English public, the players, have really bought into Baz McCullum and, and what he's done. So a couple of days out from the second test, England playing three bucks. Good bet. Yeah, all over at $3.10 at the TAB. If you're a cricket fan and you missed the news earlier, I can tell you, stay tuned. Make sure you, you put it in your calendar, put it a, uh, put it a reminder on your phone, whatever it is. One o'clock this afternoon, Mark Stafford has got Sir Clive Lloyd, West Indian legend, on his show. Uh, looking forward to that chat. That is going to be fantastic. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. We've been asking for you to text us through and tell us about uh, your random funny uh, stories of uh, of running into famous people after Jeff Daniels uh, <laughs> talked about Clint Eastwood saying that the Dumb and Dumber toilet scene had happened to him. Uh, we've had a couple of texts through, actually. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin, who uh, listens to the show a bit, uh, has, has been on as a guest a few times as well. He said, uh, he said, I went to the Lords to see England versus India in 1996. We're about 
half an hour in, I went to get a couple of beers, and Liam Gallagher and Paul McGuinn, who was the bass player in Oasis back then, were coming through the day, through the gates. Uh, McGuinn's always been, been a big cricket fan. Anyway, I made some smart-ass comment about them being late as they walked in, and Liam Gallagher gave me dog's abuse in front of the whole, <laughs> front of the whole lot. He didn't care. Just gave it to me. So yeah, it didn't go so well for Aidan in that one, but if you've got a story, text us through double eight double three. We'll get into some of those soon. Up next, we'll also uh, hear from Smithy. He was part of the call team for that uh, big Windies win over Australia. He was on yesterday. We'll get some of his comments next. It's Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at $4.50 at your local Night and Day. It is 7.26. Yesterday, Izzy Smithy has, of course, uh, been away working for the uh, Fox call team over in Australia on this uh, on the last couple of test series, including uh, that big for, win for the Windies yesterday. This is what he had to say about it. Just the, the emotion, to see what it meant to people like Brian Lara and Ian Bishop out the back and great West Indian cricketers of the past who have probably wondered whether they'd ever, ever have another great moment in Test cricket. Uh, just to see tears of, of joy streaming down Brian Lara's face and made, made the afternoon for me. Um, you know, it was such an enthralling performance. And from this young kid, Shamar Joseph, who for all intents and purposes, uh, we thought was not going to be a part of the game anymore after his injured toe. And he didn't even think so himself. Uh, when he woke up, he thought, no, I won't be doing anything today. So, And then seven for 68. I mean, it's just the most phenomenal, phenomenal afternoon I think I've spent. And, you know, this is on the back of Glenn Maxwell not that long ago, and I think I, I, think I said I don't think I'll ever see anything like that again. Well, this, is, this might have been the bowling version. When you do well against Australia, when you beat Australia, whilst they hate it, they respect that competition. They respect people standing up against them. Uh, Shamar Joseph goes down as uh, a, a bit of a folk hero already in, in the West Indies and the remote parts that he comes from, but uh, certainly in Australia, great, a great amount of respect. I mean, I, I work amongst uh, some of the harshest critics, and they just were overjoyed. And most of them were actually quite pleased that the, the West Indies had got up because Australia, it's, you know, it doesn't take too much away from Australia. They're still the best cricket team in the world. Um, but... The World of Cricket needs a, a, a pretty handy West Indies side, and we might be seeing the makings of one here, which is, which is, I think is probably the most special thing of all, mate. There you go. That was Smithy yesterday um, uh, talking uh, with Mark Stafford about that uh, that big Windies uh, win. A reminder that Staff does have uh, Sir Clive Lloyd on this afternoon as well from 1 o'clock, is he? But, yeah, I mean... That has set the scene, especially now because they've got a one-day series starting Friday as well. Tell you what, the Aussies will be well up for that now. They will. They will. They wouldn't have enjoyed that. No one enjoys losing. And I think there was a, a little bit of concern with how they carried on post it, particularly with Pat Cummins, um, you know, posting and, and swapping jerseys. And that's all part of sport. Mm. And you have to respect someone that puts in a performance. And I loved his comments about standing up against Australia. Well, he really stood up. And you have to think back to the days when they were terrorising the West Indian bowlers. Now we've got a group with Joseph squared, two Josephs leading the pace attack, absolute bowling bullets down the down the pitch, 145 mid 140s, and terrorising Australia because Australia have been doing it for years. Brett Lee's, Sean Tate's, you know, you got Mitchell Stark, Mitchell Johnson. They have always tr- uh, been. Had, had quick bowlers that have been terrorising bowlers, but now the, the script has been um, has been flipped, and the West Indians have done it. So yeah, hopefully this is a start of a bit of a resurgence for West Indian cricket. Um, they've provided so much joy 
over the last couple of years. And uh, the ODIs, yeah, watch the space because they haven't, they, they, like you alluded to earlier, they missed out on the ODI mm. World Cup. So they've got plenty to prove. They do, they do. And looking forward to that. And I can tell you, uh, there's already a market up on the TAB for that uh, Australia dollar thirteen mm. favourites. 5.45 you can get on the Windies if you, if you fancy following them in. Well, it's so hard to follow up a performance like that. The the highs of all highs, you know, coming down from that, having to get back up again, get your body into good, and at least be honest, there'll be a few beers being consumed, they'll be celebrating, they'll be dancing all through Brisbane, all through Australia, and now they've got to get up and do it again. So $1.13, that's pretty generous, I feel. So <laughs> I think it's going to be a tough ask for them to follow and back that up. But hey, we're sending cricket, there ain't no pushovers over there at the moment. They aren't, indeed, they aren't. Double eight, double three is the Tampa Bedpost text machine. Send us your messages through. Vish sent one through earlier telling, tell Baz that I got them on Sunday when they were paying 450 How good. How good, Vish. Oh. Well done. Well done, that man. You were probably the only one because I had no, no positive Thoughts going through my head in my head in terms of England cricket, particularly with um, the the depth that Indians have India have in their batting lineup. But mate, they surprised us and they got the job done. And that Sunday was so good to be able to flick back and forth and watch two teams get the job done. Yeah, and they did that. They did that. It is twenty nine away from eight o'clock. Brendan Nelb between now and eight o'clock out of South Africa on the news that Tony Brown is going to be the new attack coach for the Springboks. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's 26 away from 8 o'clock. Kennard's higher, making back-to-work trade easy. Here's some sports headlines for you. Tell you what, Izzy, you might be mm. seeing a little bit of a shift in the power base in European rugby uh, because we know that the Gallagher Premiership is struggling a bit, but over yep. 146,000 fans have helped the United Rugby Championship break its all-time single-round attendance record for the second time in three weeks. Now, I know this doesn't is, is also includes the South African teams, but still, that is big for you know the teams out of Ireland, Wales, Scotland and Italy as well. Uh, the crowd of 26,632 at Loftus Versfeld helped push the total attendance for the round nine to 146,000, setting a new record for a single round attendance in the league. Earlier this month, a figure of 135,747 was reached for the round eight fixtures, which saw crowds and sold out venues across Christmas and the new year. Now, just a number of weeks later, the fi- uh, of round nine, uh, that game between the Bulls and the Lions has helped shatter that previous record by over 10,000. That competition is garnering a lot of interest and uh, picking up it, uh, in terms of uh, its profile as well. What could have been eh, if we had South Africa back in the competition here? Although South Africans always going to fill out a park. They love rugby. That is their number one sport in the country. And when you've got the world champions doing what they're doing, you're always going to garner interest. So, um, yeah, I think the, the Gallagher Premiership will be absolutely chomping at the bit and happy that uh, they're a part of it, and it's probably what it's needed. Well, is there a reasoning why? Is it like ticket prices? Is it the product that's on offer? Like, Is there any detail on, on the why we've seen a bit of a resurgence from the fans? I, not, that I've, not that I've seen, but mm. I, I think it's just the, the competition. You know, you're getting yep. you're getting really, really good high end competition. I mean, that game, the last game I was talking mm. about was between two South African sides, but uh, you know, for the Irish, for the Welsh, for the Italians, for the Scots fans, uh, you know, they're 
they're in a situation where they they're, they're winning games. It's a very even competition. There's only I think one of the Italian teams is poo, but the rest of the, everybody else can beat everybody else. You know, it's a it's a pretty mm. tight comp, and that always helps. That helps when you've got a, a a strengthened competition where you every week anyone can beat anyone. That definitely helps. A competitive competition goes a long way. I just started watching the Six Nations documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah, I started watching that last night. It's an interesting watch. The first uh, episode's all about Scotland when they beat England last year at the start of the Six Nations at Twickenham, first time in forever. Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend that relationship. So I'm going to continue watching that over the next couple of nights. It's a good watch. And, you know, that's a competition that has been thriving for years. They've got everything right in terms of the product, the competition, the strength. Even Italy, to an extent, have come so far in in such a short period of time. When you've got competition, you're going to have results that are going to follow. Our, Our competition is going to start soon. There's already talks about the Rebels potentially going to bundle out, and what's that going to do to Australian rugby? So over in the north, they're flying, which is hard to think, really. A year ago, they were struggling in the premiership. Yeah, 100% they were, 100%. Now, I don't know, what's your uh, what's what's your uh, knowledge on uh, figure skating, mate? Like, what's that like? Figure skating? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very limited. Yeah, like mine then. A, a like, little bit on TV. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful sport to watch. Well, mate, I'll tell you what, as a Kiwi, uh, a Kiwi athlete to watch, Dwayne Lee has created yeah. history, winning New Zealand's first ever ice figure skating medal at any form of the Winter Games. Uh, okay. The 15-year-old was clinical in his free skating performance at the Gangwon 2024 Youth Olympics, landing a triple axle for the first time ever in competition. He said, I was really proud of myself for being here, performing in front of such a big crowd. First time I've ever done a triple axle in competition. Really pleased to stay on my, fight, my feet. It was pretty exciting. Their performance earned him 208.84 points, which was good enough to get him the bronze medal. So uh, maybe one to watch. Oh, I'm trying to... Picture the triple axle. So mm. I'm guessing he goes up, he does triple uh, uh, three spins, yeah, and then lands on his foot and, and axles out of there. Yeah, exactly. How cool! <laughs> how cool is that? <laughs> hey, do you reckon you could? How how do you go on on, on skates, ice skates? Oh, Have ne- you ever had never tried it, mate? My, my, you know, uh, I know you've had you've had knee <laughs> knee issues, right? Yeah, my knees are rock solid, but my uh, uh, my ankles. ankles are made of wet cardboard. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, I've so, had a crack. Yeah, how'd you go? I had a go. Oh, I'm not too bad at it. I'm not too bad at it. Like, yeah, I go okay on there. So, it's, it's yeah. Oh, I remember I had a go at it for a test match in England. Ooh. And it probably wasn't ideal. No. Uh, but there was a there was an ice skating rink at the at the mall there in, in London. So I had a crack at that. And it could have been pear-shaped, but no, that was probably the last time I had a go at it. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right, good to hear. Good to hear. There you go. So sports news headlines for you. Ken and Tyre are making back-to-work trade easy. Win a trade station gift card worth $1,000. It is 21 away from 8 o'clock. When we come back, Brendan Nell joins us out of South Africa. It's quarter away from 8 o'clock. Call us anytime 0800 150 or text the Temper Bedpost text machine double eight double three. Joining us out of South Africa now is a respected South African rugby journalist, uh, Brendan Nell. Uh, morning, Brendan. How are you doing? Uh, good morning, guys. Good to be always be back here with you guys. Yeah, great to have you, mate. Great to have you. And I, the first question I've got to ask, mate, mm. is we're all the South African coaches. Jerry Flannery's <laughs> going to defend, coach your def- defence. Tony Brown's going to coach your attack. I mean, we're, what are your coaches doing, mate? They've all got their feet up. 
Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they're coaching around the world at the moment. There's a number of them coming through, and yeah, I, I think I think it's one thing to say we're the local coaches, but you know, when you've won two World Cups in a row, I think we probably trust mm. Rossi to know what he's doing. As this, yeah, well, you have to trust Rossi or Rasmus for what he's doing, Brendan. Um, he, he's a very how is he doing anyway after that little scare with his health? Is is he doing okay? And and why do you think he's gone down the line, and particularly with? Tony Brown, who I think is the most creative rugby mind in the world in terms of coaching at the moment. Well, yeah, first, yeah, the first thing is key. He he was in hospital this week and he had a bit of an accident trying to clean a drain. Apparently, uh, that's that's the word that's come out some of the newspapers. Uh, apparently, threw some of this yeah stuff to clean the drain and that, that sort of chemicals splashed back on him and he got some chemical burns and he's sorting that out. I mean, I suppose that could happen to any of us and probably most of us, yeah, be a bit more careful. But I mean, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but uh, I'm sure he's probably kicking himself at the moment on that one. Uh, yeah. J- so otherwise, we, I mean, we've heard nothing else about his health. He, as far as we know, everything's going well. Um, but yeah, on Tony Brown, I mean, look, uh, Rossi and Jacques over the last couple of years, I think everybody's mm. noticed since 2019 that the box have tried to sort of add an extra level to their game and play a lot more expansively. And, uh, you know, while that didn't really happen those last couple of games of the World Cup, they, they've definitely added a couple of new sort of cogs to their game. And I think... This is more just to take it a step further. Um, you know, Tony Brown's been pretty, pretty popular guy since he was at the Sharks as well. And, you know, mm. we all know he's a very creative guy. And Russ, he always, I suppose, thinks out of the box. Uh, yeah, Jerry Flannery's coached with him at Munster. Him and, uh, yeah, he, he was one of the coaches there for when Russ was coaching Munster. So, and he's done quite good work with on defense with, with Harlequins. Uh, so, and he worked with Shark before. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at that. Uh, but Tony, Tony says to me, Rusty's looking to take it up a bit of a level two. Plus, in two years' time, Rusty's only around for another two years. And in two years' time, there's an expectation that either one of Ms. Wandile Stick or Dion Davids will probably take over the coaching role there. And uh, I suppose it's yeah to to get them up to speed as quickly as possible, and to work with as many you know sort of different voices as possible in that time. Is he around for two more years? We've been hearing that for a long time now, mate. And he continues to find a way to continue to coach South Africa. Yeah, look, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, we, we've got to realise at some point it's going to come to an end. Same as mm. you, know, you guys had with, with, with Ted and, and, and Steve Hansen and them. It's got to come to an end at some point. And there's probably going to be a bit of a, a, a rocky transition as you guys also went through uh, at some mm. point as well. So, um, yeah, he, he, he says he's around for another two years. Um, we, we haven't heard anything different. There's always rumours going around with a coach like Rossi anyway. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully he is and hopefully that success builds on. But that's the challenge because, you know, after eight years or six years in the, in, in the, in the job, people start working you out and opposition coaches you know, work on your, your game plan full time. And somehow somebody's probably going to get the best of you at some point. Do you think this means that we're going to see um, a more expansive Springboks? Well, I don't, I don't think you know, Rusty's always been quite clear mm. the way he wants to play. I mean, they've got the big forwards, they've got the physicality. They're not going to go away from that, and I think we'll probably see seven-one you know, come back into play every now and again as well. Uh, they're not going to go away from that, but you know, they've also got guys like Kurti Arendse and Kanan Moody coming through, sort of the next generation of guys. And um, I suppose it's just to maximise that, to get the best out of those guys and to keep on scoring those tries. Because you know, a guy like Vili Leroux is going to retire at some point. 
Uh, yeah, and, and same, Chesson Colby hasn't got that much time left in him either. So you, you've got to bring the next guys through, and obviously they want to get the best, best out of them. Just on the 7-1 split, what, what's your take? I've had um, mixed conversations about it, and people have asked me a question. <laughs> Do you think it's great for the game? Do you think it's going against the spirit of, of rugby? Like, what, what you, what's your feeling on the 7-1 uh, split? This is not, I'm an old forward as well, so I mean, I, I love it when we see more forwards on the field, especially yeah, the fat boys running around. That's always good for me. Uh, yeah, so I, and I was, I, I, to be very honest, I mean, I think any sort of innovation in the game is great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they keep on, the only innovation we really get is is they keep on tinkering with the laws, and, and, and that doesn't help anybody. So, anyway, somebody can think a bit out of the box and try, and it's a gamble. People forget that. I mean, all this talk about against the spirit of the game. At the end of the day, if you have one or two injuries, uh, you know, mm. you could get caught out very badly with a 7-1 split. So it's a big gamble to take. And if you're willing to take the gamble and you get the reward, then why not? And we've got the, U, uh, the URC is absolutely flying at the moment, Brendan. We just saw that they've broken attendance records again in that. How are you <coughs> feeling about the South African sides being in the URC? Is it is it proving to be the right move to move away from Super Rugby? Well, yeah, it's always difficult because, I mean, we, we're now committed. We're in, you know, totally in for this now. Uh, and there are still teething problems. I mean, you know, the, the travel was supposed to be better for us. Um, and technically, I suppose maybe it is. But, you know, we, we, we would sold this idea of overnight flights to Europe, which, which should still happen. And then they sign up a, a Middle Eastern uh, flight sponsor. So you have to go through Middle the Middle East every time. Uh, yeah, so it sort of prolongs those flights as well. So the, the, the travel thing's still going to get sorted out a bit better. But look, it certainly added something new and, and the competition's interesting. And, and some of those European sides are really good. I mean, the Lara Shells and you know, Saracens coming down. There's some real quality players that we get to see nowadays. So I think South Africans are slowly buying into it. We still, I think, I think we, we don't want to lose, obviously, you know, the contact with New Zealand that we had. Uh, and I think as long as that carries on a test level in some form, uh, you know, we don't mind not playing the Aussies so much. <laughs> we still want to play against you guys. <laughs> Nicely said, mate. Nicely said. I mean, we've uh, we've got the uh, we've still got the rugby championship to come uh, this season. How many of that Springbok World Cup winning squad do you expect to see involved? Mm. Well, yeah, I think we're probably at least for the, this year because look, they've got quite a tough series against Ireland coming up in June as well, June July. Uh, so I'd see probably the core of that, but they'll slowly start changing that as as the year goes by. Yeah, you know, the last uh, sort of two cycles, uh, Rossi and them came in, you know, with two years in 20, 2016, 2017. And then this last one was obviously hit by COVID and, you know, that Lions tour that was just bizarre with the way it took place. Uh, so they never really had the chance to really go through a full cycle and blood new new players. So I think we'll probably see that when we play Portugal, you see a lot of youngsters coming through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple of those guys that's still going to stick around, but I probably see probably about half that squad not going to the next World Cup. Yeah, all right, good stuff, Brendan. Thanks very much for coming on today, mate. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work on the YouTube channel as well, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. Anytime, guys. It was good to chat to you guys. Cheers. There we go, Brendan Nell out of South Africa, and uh, yeah, it makes sense. It'll be interesting to see what Tony Brown can do within that structure. Mm. Is he if they're going to continue to play the Springbok way? Yeah, they'll never go away from the identity. The identity is to muscle up big body runners, snake attachments to those players and bulldoze them through. That is their their identity. But the day I got caught out was the day that they decided they'll spin it wide. 
and teams will be trying to go hell and leather to, to stop them up front and then you expose yourself out wide. And we got punished at Johannesburg and they, they beat us convincingly. So, uh, yeah, Tony Brown will be trying to expand their minds and it will be difficult. It won't happen overnight. A lot of these players, that is what they've been doing for a very long time. So, uh, yeah, look, it's it'll be interesting. It hasn't been announced yet, but I'm pretty sure it will be announced and it'll be confirmed that those two coaches, Andre Oosthuizen and um, Tony Brown, will be taking it with the Rassi Rasmus to be a part of that Springboks outfit. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see how they uh, how that mm. uh, goes, basically. Looking forward to the Rugby Championship and seeing the Springboks with Tony Brown in there. Uh, you're listening to SCNZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. We are six away from eight o'clock. Plenty of text coming through on double eight double three here on SENZ. It is tradies hour. You can uh, uh, start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. We've had a couple of texts through. This one from Paddy is, he, hey boys, I'm no expert, but I'm willing to bet the game day experience mm. in the Northern Hemisphere is far better than what we have here. <laughs> New Zealand Super Rugby teams need to reinvigorate via game day experience. For example, the Crusaders should open the Eddington Raceway Car Park or Eddington Raceway Car Park and allow tailgate parties pre-match. 100%. Totally agree with you, Paddy. That, that would be the right thing to do, particularly what they see over in the United States. Tailgate parties, when you've got players going out there, drinking out of bowling balls, a la Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. Um, yeah, look, it'll be the right thing. Whether we'll do it, probably not, mate. Yeah, they would have a far better experience over there in the north. All right, coming up to 8 o'clock in the next hour, we're going to catch up with Jay Carter on New Zealand Golf. Uh, right now, though, here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Kia ora, good morning, and welcome into Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ at 5 past 8. Uh, big old morning. Uh, we've got a, uh, a bit still to come for you. Jay Carter from New Zealand Golf joining us. Surely Mark Chittick as well with a, a love racing update. Plus Paulie Mawadi from the TAB. We'll see how badly he's hurting after a big Karaka Millions weekend. Uh, plenty of texts coming through as well. Yeah, what a weekend of sport, eh? The men's tennis, the England cricket, yeah, West Indies cricket. The Blaze winning the T20. Uh, Mark from Tauranga sticks it as well. Morena lads, finally back at work full-time after the break. Bloody good to be listening to SCNZ again and bringing normality and structure back. Looking forward to listening and hopefully getting some good tips for Phillips <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. Yes. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. I had, a, I had a bonus bet yesterday and I had Christian McCaffrey and we had... Um, uh, we were talking about it earlier with uh, Steve Williams about Christian McCaffrey and the importance for the Chiefs stopping him uh, with his running game. Well, yesterday I had him on a on a power play for two touchdowns and a hundred plus yards. Well, he had two touchdowns and he had ninety yards and uh, five bucks. Ooh. So I fell short. He had twenty odd carries, so he sh- should have been good. But you have to commend the Lions. Um, Defence, running defence, they, they stopped them. On the other side, Montgomery for the Detroit Lions was very good with the run game. And they started that. They were 17-7 up or 17-0 up in the first half. And then they gave away 17 points in the second half and they lost it. But it was a great game. And uh, hopefully we can get you paid, uh, Marky, because I need to get paid too. Because Sammy Hewitt gave me a tip yesterday about this guy McCann who was playing in the, in the ice hockey and I don't watch ice hockey, but I said, how's he going? Well, he scored five of his last six games. Well, yesterday he was paying $2.87 to score a goal. 
and I didn't back it, and he scored a goal. So maybe I should have went down that one. Yeah, well, you didn't but stop him. You didn't stop him, is he? I suppose we can say that much. <laughs> we can say that much. Now, I'll tell you a bloke who cannot be stopped at the moment, and that is Kazuma Kabori, young Kiwi golfer, turned pro yep. only late last year, and he's just gone back-to-back on the pro circuit in Australia. How good is the New Zealand golf scene at the moment, uh, the talent that we have coming through? We thought we needed to go to the so source good. and find out. So uh, from New Zealand Golf National Coach Jay Carter joins us. Morning, Jay. How are you doing? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, mate, our pleasure. Our pleasure, mate. You must be absolutely fizzing, you know, watching Kazuma go around and, and do what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, that's, uh, you know, he's so new to it. To, to win twice that early in his career is pretty impressive. And um, But, I mean, the other cool thing was there were plenty of young Kiwis playing in that event. Uh, Amelia Garvey yeah. and Fiona Jew both playing and both doing really well. And then, you know, just clock on this, uh, yesterday morning and watch Lydia almost get it done and, and get into the Hall of Fame. Sam Jones playing on the DP World Tour in his mm. first year as a pro. Like, there's some pretty cool stuff going on. It must be a, an easy job for you, Jay Carter. Is your job complete? When you look at all the golfers that are playing around the globe and getting results, what does that say about the work that you've been done? Are you constantly in contact with a lot of these players? And once they're on their journey, once they crack it to the to the biggest time, is that for you time for you to sit back and and just let them let their journey unfold? <laughs> I'm not sure how much <laughs> I've had to do with it, mate. Um, but uh, look, it's certainly cool, and I do keep in touch with all of them. I think for you know, yep. they're incredibly talented. I think in many ways, it's just about getting out of their way and trying to help them um, do what they, they do and remove some of those distractions. When it comes to, I was chatting with Kazuma yesterday and the amount of messages he's got and people, like I had three messages from people in Aussie reaching out to see if they can caddy for him, so I can only imagine what he's getting. <laughs> um, but it's pretty cool. I mean, they, all the players, as you know, it's a hard sport and they work bloody hard. Um, so it's cool to see the, the um, results come through. How and what are we able, why are we having a, a golden period in New Zealand golf at the moment, mate? Is there anything that you can pinpoint it to, Jay? Um, I think you can't look past the influence that Lydia has had um, and the flow on effects of that and Foxy. I think when yep. you see, for a lot of our young players growing up, um, if you think about New Zealand's history, you've got Greg Turner, Grant Waite, Frank Novello and Craig Perks, all pretty successful. And they all played for New Zealand in the same three-year period. And then the next little wave came through of Michael Campbell, Philip Tatarangi, Mark Brown, Steve Alka. Mm. Um, again, they all played for New Zealand in that same, well, a different three-year period, but the same as each other. And then recently we've had Lydia Foxy, Danny Lee. Um, so I think you have these cycles when it comes through, but mm. what I reckon is Phil and... Michael and Brownie and Steve Alka would have grown up watching Frank Nobolo and Greg Turner so they see real people doing it in front of their eyes that they know and I think that plays a big part of it so Foxy's awesome when he comes back he connects with our young players and they see that and Dan Hilly is the same you know they see that he's just yeah. two arms two legs and you can make it from New Zealand so I think that plays a part do you think that, uh, I mean, I was going to ask you about the Eisenhower team from the early 90s and, you know, and if this is the best sort of batch we've had since then. Um, but, you know, I guess on that, you know, you talk about Foxy as well. Um, 
he, he just seems that much, and Lydia, they, they just seem that much more visible than maybe, you know, the, the, the Greg Turners and the Frank Nobolos were because of TV coverage and also how easy it was to come and go in the tournaments that we have here or around about. Yeah, I think the TV coverage is, is massive. And I think the profile of golf, and I mean, when I started playing golf, I didn't tell anyone I played. It wasn't that cool to play. Like, I just carried on playing cricket so that no one beat me up at school. But um, <laughs> nowadays, there's plenty of cool guys that play golf and make it a bit cool. So um, it's often, it's people's second sport. You know, a lot of people, a lot of good sports people choose golf as their other sport to keep their competitive juices flowing. I think that helps. I mean, since COVID, it's had a hell of a boom. Some really good leadership, I think, at Golf New Zealand's helped as well. Yeah, I saw some reading when they um, they released the number of memberships around the country. I think it's over 180,000 members are part of golf clubs. So golf is absolutely flying. You're dead right. When you've got role models and people that are, are representing your sport, that are cool, that are open, they're transparent, they, they are very inclusive and approachable, well, it helps. It grows the game. And, and speaking of people growing the game, like the New Zealand golfers at the moment are all about growing the game. They're open to answering interviews a bit like yourself and being a part of uh, of the media coverage out there in the in the public. Kazuma Kabori, mate, can you tell us a bit about him? I've seen him rolling around the Pegasus Golf Club every now and then, say g'day to him, bump into him. He's very quiet. Like um, He's only, what, a couple of wins away from securing his European tour card. Yeah, he's not far away at all. Um, mm. And I mean, he won, I don't know if you remember, but late last year, maybe his second event out, he, he had a six-shot lead going into the last yeah. last round, and he, uh, mm. he didn't get it done. But I think just you know that learning, being in contention, he's mentally, he's mentally tough. He's a strong little dude. He works really hard. His putting is outstanding. He'd be the best putter I've ever seen. And But underrated as well as his ball tracking, because... As you know, as you've seen him, he's only a little guy. Like, you'd hit your four-iron yep. probably as far as driver. Um, <laughs> but he just never misses. He's so clinical. And I think um, he played with a guy um, in, in the Eisenhower last year. He played with a um, South African dude who's number one in the world and six foot eight. And on one hole, Kazuma lasered him. This guy hit his drive 120 metres past Kazuma. But he loves that challenge. And so he's up for it. Like, he got his laser out to see how far behind the guy was, but he ended up winning the individual at the guys in the first person since, or first Kiwi since Phil Tuff. I don't need to do that. So I think he thrives on that challenge. You know, when he doesn't hit it as far as everyone, I think he takes pleasure in giving them a hiding, even though they hit it further. You got, you've alluded to a couple of names, Mila Garvey, you got Lydia Ko, you got Sam Jones. There's another name, Zach Swanick, who I got to uh, talk to or, a couple of times down here in, in Christchurch. Well, he started the Aussie Open relatively well and then fell away a little bit. Zach Swanick is going to go over to college in the United States at, in Florida. Are you still going to be in contact with young Zach? And what's on the horizon for him, mate? Can you see a big future for, for young Zachy? Yeah, definitely. He's uh, He is a beast. He's an immense talent. Um, mm. there's, and, and again, we've got this little wave of about Zach's age. Um, you know, there's probably half a dozen young boys who feed off each other, but Zach's exceptional. He's won the New Zealand under-19s the last two years. He won the Aussie, Aussie under-18s last year. Just uh, was in Melbourne with him a couple of weeks ago, and he was maybe fourth at the Australian Amateur. He's still only 17. Um, really good background, good family. His dad was, um, played softball for New Zealand and 
Um, yeah, Zach's just got tons of talent. It's so cool to watch him. It's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, and on Sam Jones as well. I know uh, he and Dan Hillier were both uh, both made to cut uh, over the weekend in the Ras Al Kaham uh, Championship. Um, Hillier, I think, finished about twenty third. Uh, but uh, Sam Jones, how do you th- how do you think he's going? Because I I noticed he was in contention all the way through, and then he blew out. He had a five over fourth round, so he ended up slipping to tied for sixty eighth. But how do you how are you tracking his progress? Yeah, he's um, he's doing amazingly and, and to achieve what he's achieved to get through the qualifying like I don't know over 5,000 people would have started that qualifying school and it ends up with five people getting their cars or something stupid so um, you know pretty impressive to do what he's done I think that uh, he did the same at the Australian Open which is also a DP World Tour event where he was really good after three rounds and maybe not quite put the final round away um, and that's always the hardest thing isn't it it's just the pressure of you know like he's a year ago, he was probably sitting on the couch watching these players, dreaming about how good they were, and, and now he's teeing it up with them on a Sunday. Um, and, there, and there's all the stuff that goes, you know, you've got to earn enough money to keep your card. and um, So there's a whole lot of pressure and stuff that probably he's not used to yet. I think he will. He's a really smart, smart, um, smart guy and, and hell of a competitor. So I think he'll get used to that. But it's one of those things you just you can't practice for that level of pressure. You just have to get in amongst it and get comfortable with it. I mean, Foxy still talks about, you know, getting nervous and under the pressure and um, golf's one of those sports where, I don't know what the win percentage of the average tour golfer is, but probably around 1%. So um, just for Sam, I think it's just becoming more comfortable playing with guys who he's looked up to. Oh, you spoke about pressure and the mental side of the game. I know you're doing a bit of work uh, in that area with celebrated sports psychologist and friend David Galbraith. Are you able to talk about the the stuff that you're doing with the golfers? Are you getting up there one-on-one and, and doing seminars and, and little bits of work? And I know you work with Wayne Smith as well. Um, yeah, look, I just try and learn as much from guys like DG and, and Smithy. I think Smithy could coach the New Zealand team better than I do. As you could probably agree, um, <laughs> I think it's all it's all the same stuff, isn't it? it doesn't matter what the sport, um, but I think the the bit that um, David works really hard on is um, players' identity and um, where they come from, and you know, having a real sense of purpose, probably bigger than just hitting better shots and what they're trying to achieve out of the game. I certainly leave that, but. To those experts, mate, I don't, uh, I don't delve too much into that. But I think it's, a, I mean, it's an important part of every sport, isn't it? But I think particularly golf, those top two inches are, are critical. Mate, well, we know in a couple of weeks' time, I think it's 29 days, in fact, the New Zealand Golf Open, the 103rd will take place down in Queenstown. And Stephen Alka is coming back. And Stephen Alka, well, is filling his bank up Sure, <laughs> with a whole lot of cash, he's winning everything at the moment. He's going, he's on an absolute heater. Stephen Alka, do you keep in contact with him? And how impressed have you been by Stephen Alka, a guy that was a journeyman on the PGA Tour, is now winning plenty and getting some success? Yeah, um, I keep in contact with him a little bit. He's been an awesome um, mm. resource, and I think one of the cool things you think about him is you say he was a journeyman. But his standards haven't dropped, and I mean, what he obviously is fifty, early fifties now because he's playing on that tour. But 
you know, he's had 30 years of really high standards. He hasn't just come out of the woodwork yep. when he's 50 and decided to play a bit more golf. His work ethic, like he would he would be hitting the ball as far as he's ever hit it in his life. He's, he'd be as fit as he's ever been. He works really hard. Um, and I think that's impressive to do that for 30 years, you know, and, and not really, I mean, he's had a pretty good career. But mm. um, as you say, just filling his bank. But it's cool to see. And, and the other thing was, again, with Steve, I think we're lucky in golf. So many of these guys really keen to give back and, and help the young players coming through because they know how hard it is. So he's been, um, he's been an awesome resource. And it'll be cool to see, cool to see how um, he keeps on going. Why do you think he was, he's able to have the success now, comparing it back to probably when he was on the PGA Tour? Do you feel like he's made any changes to his game? You just spoke about his strength. Is he hitting it better than he's ever hit it? Yeah, like he was known uh, as a as a young player, he was known for a short game, not hitting the ball overly long mm. for the you know relative to the level that he was playing. But um, I think without putting too fine a point on it, he's competing with guys who were over fifty. So they're not yeah. you know not as fit as they were, and so his length and they've probably, made all their cash. You know, they made all their cash. Um, so his length probably isn't a massive disadvantage as it was on the PGA Tour when he's playing against 27-year-olds who can hit at 300. So now, you know, the skills that he's got around his accuracy come to fruition because not many of those senior guys bomb it. So he's probably one of the longer guys now um, and he's got all the other skills to go with it. All right, Jay, I know you gave me a putting lesson down uh, up there in Rimuera. I want to tell you right now, I'm putting better than I've ever putted before. And you know who I am? I'm using my wife's putter. <laughs> so thank you very much for those tips, mate. I'm, I'm not sure I told you to use your wife's putter, but I'll claim it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Joe, I know it's, it might be drawing a bit of a long bow here, but uh, you know the Ryder Cup gets plenty of attention. Uh, but just talking about this generation of players we've got coming through that we've been talking about, and the fact that you've got Foxy there, uh, you've got the likes of Cam Smith uh, tearing it up for Aussie, you've got guys like uh, Louis Oosthuizen and Charles Schwarzel. I mean, do you see that the, the President's Cup getting tighter, getting more competitive in the next sort of 10 years? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, the Yeah, the challenge will be, um, I guess, the US and the USPGA Tour pretty much. Run, run golf now in the world. So it'll be just a matter of um, the exposure. And with live golf, it'll be interesting to see what happens there and and that merger because a lot of those names that you mentioned, obviously, are playing live and whether they can, you know, whether they they can play. So, um, but it, I mean, it must be cool for those guys to play in those teams events. I know Foxy was probably unlucky to miss out on the Presidents Cup last time, but I think he's pretty he's going pretty well to um, make the team this time. Yeah, yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. Maybe you should have a word to Sam Jones, actually. If he, he goes so well into the third round, maybe you should switch to live because don't they only play three? It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be cashed up. <laughs> I'll pass that on. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Always thanks, good to Jay. chat to you. No worries, thanks, guys. Cheers, there we go, uh, Jay Carter, uh, the uh, coach, or, or the national coach for New Zealand golf. Or, uh, is it, you're, getting, you're getting lessons from the, the, the big Yeah. Man. Yeah, he gave me a lesson in Auckland, and he got the track man out, and we put it on the putting green, and and it was um, following my putting path. And basically, I was putting with an open um, face, and that's why I kept pushing the ball right. So, gave me a few tips with my with my arms, my eyes. You know, like everything when you go to hit the cricket ball, go hit the 
hit anything you look up really quick. Well, that's what I was doing. I was looking up to try and see if the ball was going in the hole. So just trying to hold my pose and stay still and and keep my putting path um, pretty pretty centred. So keep your head down. It helped. Keep your head helped down. Helped a lot, man. Yeah. A couple of little tips, and I've started to putt way better than I used to. I'm still a shocking putter, but I'm getting better. Oh, mate, I'll, I'll send it to you, actually. I'll chuck it. I'll find it, and I'll put it up on the uh, SENZ Breakfast uh, Twitter page. But there is a fantastic shot of... Uh, or piece of footage of Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack Nicholas, and I can't remember who it is he's talking to, but somebody's having trouble. They're looking at this putt that they've got and they're complaining about it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, let's have a look." And it's it's a long putt; it's probably twenty, thirty feet. Oh, and that was Tom mass- Watson, and, and he drops break. it from the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was just bangs it in from like fifty feet he goes, <laughs> off the green. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, what are you complaining about again? It's outstanding. It's a must-see footage, that. Must-see footage. It is 8.24 here on SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. And it's 8.29. Blackburn Rovers versus Wrexham in the FA Cup fourth round. Is he just about to kick off? And Mm -hmm. I have jumped on the double chance. Wrexham to win or Wrexham to draw, and Paul Mullen anytime goal scorer, ten bucks on pace forty six. Are we gonna? Is that what we're doing? Well, I've just, I've just done it. Is that what I'm doing? Well, you could do that. You could do that. I reckon it's worth it's worth a nudge. Definitely worth a nudge. How confident are you? Uh, reasonably, yeah. Blackburn are nineteenth in the championship. They've lost their last three on the bounce, so uh, uh, they are ripe for an upset. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll just have a look at that. One to keep yes. an eye on. Double eight, double three is how you get a hold of us. Uh, t- I've got Anton's special. bonus bet I need to use. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, do it. All over it. All over it. Uh, our mate Cameron is texted through. Boys, we're poked. Wallabies have Schmidt. <laughs> the box have Tony Brown. Oh, so uh, we, um, we've got uh, we've got Jason Holland and Leon McDonald. Neither of them could win the Super Rugby comp, not to mention a pork chop in charge. Bring back Fozzie. <laughs> Jeez, Cameron. Cameron, can you give us a call? I'd love to chat to you. 0800 You always send messages, but you never, you never don us with your presence, mate. Come on, give us a call and, and tell us your reasonings why so much hate. Do reckon, so much hate. Do you reckon that's Fozzie's burner account, burner phone? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's what mm. it is. Um, we were talking we'll to... the chat, Tom. <laughs> I love his banter. We were talking earlier about uh, random encounters that you've had with famous people. And Logues, who uh, produces Smithy and does our digital content, sent me a text. He said, hey, lads, here, here you go. I was living in Toronto, and my wife and I went to a memorabilia convention. They had a bunch of celebrity guest speakers. I was rushing to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we bumped straight into Hulk Hogan and his security. They gave us this dirty look, and we're like, oh, sorry. And he's like, <laughs> it's okay, brother. On that, I've seen the Hulk. I was sitting in Miami in a a hotel and in the foyer there, and the Hulk walks through. I'm like, is that the Hulk? He had no security around him. I could have ran up and got a photo. The Hulk. Yeah, I've seen the Hulk. (laughs) The Hulkamania. Oh, outstanding. Hulk Hogan. There you go. That would be good. I suppose when you're Hulk Hogan, you don't need security, do you? That big. Mm. Anyway, yeah. checks rolling through, <laughs> double eight, double three. Mark Chittick before 9 o'clock with a love racing update. Paulie Mawadi not far away either. Right now, though, it is time to catch up with Araha for the latest news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 
26 away from 9 o'clock, and that means one thing, of course. It is time for the money man, Paul the Money Mawati. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Paulie, uh, how the TAB shaping up after a big Karaka Million weekend? Uh, not too bad, to be fair. Uh, it was uh, our biggest single ever meeting in terms of turnover. Um, and with only six races on the card, that's saying something. So, yeah, it was very well supported by punters uh, and by the Boys Get Paid Punters Club as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it was there's quite a bit to unwrap. Now, I'm just having a look at a multi. Uh, it's a seven-leg multi um, through a number of races, and one of the legs was Legato uh, to win the four-year-old million-dollar race, uh, but it was a futures bet. And, of course, we paid out early on uh, Legato in the futures uh, market. And so this uh, seven-league multi was successful, uh, and it returned $76,000 to this punter. So if the the bookies hadn't uh, decided to pay out Legato early in the uh, futures book for that... Uh, Elsden Park Aotearoa Classic, then uh, this uh, multi would have fallen over. But yeah, here's one punter who's very happy that the bookies decided to pay out early on Legato and now has uh, just a tick under $77,000 in the account. Mate, how good is that? I mean, I, I was going to ask you about that, mate, because I, I remember you saying you'd paid out early on Legato. Legato not winning, how much did that save mm. your, your backsides on Saturday? Uh, yeah, look, she was very well backed in the final field market as well. And there are um, just a ridiculous amount of multis uh, going through her. So, uh, yeah, it, it was good. Um, I guess, yeah, looking back, um, I think a number of people who actually got some money back from the Futures book actually put more money on her in the final field market. So, yeah, there was a bit of... We got a little bit back, but, um, yeah, it was... Um, it was, uh, I guess, a big congratulations to that uh, one punter who uh, got his seven-leg multi up that uh, included uh, legato, velocious, and orchestral, all in the futures markets uh, of that uh, Caracas Millions uh, night at Ellerslie. Yeah, it was a beautiful day out um, there, Paul and Moati, and it was good to see you, my friend. But yesterday was a good day for some sport, and we had the NFL taking place. Detroit Lions taking on the 49ers. A little bit of a scare there for the 49ers at the start of that that game in the first half, really. They were down by plenty, but they were able to get the job done, mate. Yesterday there was a power play, I think it was in the Chiefs-Ravens game, for Travis Kelsey to get the first TD with something else that was paying a wee bit. How did the punters go yesterday with the NFL? Uh, they went pretty well. Um, unfortunately, mm. there are a few punters that backed uh, the Detroit Lions, and they were looking very, very good uh, <laughs> after that first half. A nice, comfortable lead, and then just things conspired against them. And if you make a mistake or two against the San Francisco 49ers, then they will usually make you pay. And that's exactly what uh, Brock Purdy and the 49ers did um, to the Detroit Lions. So um, it, it was a great journey, I guess, for the Detroit Lions to make mm. it uh, that far to a conference championship. Um, they, of course, they would have loved to have been in the big dance in a couple of weeks' time, but it's not to be. The boys have already put out a market uh, for the Super Bowl, and they're struggling to separate the Chiefs and the 49ers. The Chiefs are at $1.87. 
The 49 is $1.85. But the early money, the punters have no problem separating these two teams. 75% of the turnover in that head-to-head market is on the Kansas City Chiefs at $1.87. So punters uh, and the early money uh, is all, or pretty much all, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's also been uh, an interesting bet on the half full-time a double market. One punter has put a thousand dollars on it to be a tie at half time and a tie at full time at ninety one dollars to return ninety one thousand. So, <laughs> one punter having having a wee bit of a go early on, and we're we're still what uh, thirteen days out from the uh, from kickoff. Wow, uh, that is uh, that is having a punt like. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Paulie. Uh, what else? What else is uh, on today, mate? What else is getting you excited? Um, I heard you talking to uh, New Zealand's second best uh, golfer just before, Baz McCallum, <laughs> and uh, I, I just thought I'd have a look back at the uh, bit of action that we took on that uh, England-India uh, test match, and at times during that test match, England were uh, pushed way out by the bookings. In fact, you could have got them at $27 at one stage during that test match. Um, a lot oh. of punters backed them at $19.50. So, yeah, it, it, historically, we really haven't taken a lot of money on the palms uh, in the cricket. But ever since Baz has uh, uh, picked up the coaching reins for the test team, it seems that they, they're almost always a terrible result for us. And it was no um, different in that first test match against India this time. Um, so punters rewarded for following Baz and the England uh, test cricket team, and it was the same thing with the West Indies. Uh, West Indies got out to $46 in that test match against the uh, Aussies, uh, which, uh, of course, Shamar Joseph and the boys were able to turn it up and uh, maybe show that West Indies cricket is it's still, it's starting to return to the heydays uh, that yeah. it was back in the um, 80s when we saw um, that four-pronged pace mm. attack uh, taking apart uh, opposition teams. So, yep, West Indies uh, and England uh, definitely well-backed at times during both uh, of those test matches. And for today, uh, I thought I'd let you know that uh, we've got a bonus back promotion on the first two races at the Palmerston North Greyhounds, uh, back to second and third. In race two, uh, it's a distant, uh, distance race over 660 metres. Um, there's only one they really want, number two, drought at $1.55. Good work, Paulie. Nice. Uh, we'll see how that goes tomorrow and check in with you. Check out all the odds, promos and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Harbour, tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. We've got a Love Racing update with Mark Chittick up next. It's 14 away from nine, and it's time for a Love Racing update. Loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. And joining us now from Waikato Stud is Mark Chittick. Good morning, Mark. How are you? G'day, boys. How are you this morning? Yeah, very well, Marky. It was good to catch up with you on the weekend, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you're busy. You've got a big stable there that you're trying to get rid of. 75, in fact. Uh, how's it all been going? Yeah, pretty good. She's, um, you know, she's a, she's a pretty big couple of weeks. Um, certainly the last mm. week there is. And, uh, and as you say, great to catch up the other night. Wasn't, a great, wasn't it a great night that night? But, uh, yeah, the whole, the whole spectacle's been... Um, Fantastic, you know it's uh, it's a hell of a lot of work leading into it, and um, you know the sort of the 
it's the main income for our farm um, for Waikato yeah. Stud, as, as, as it is for everybody else here. And you know, this whole process started two years ago when we when we when we bred the mares, basically. And then uh, you know, and certainly the last year, fourteen months, um, um, there's a hell of a lot of work going into all of these horses. And as I say to all my team, we've got we've got four minutes to do the best we can. The two minutes that we show them to them before the before the sale ring, and the two minutes that they're in the sale ring. So. Um, Hell of a lot of work goes into it, but uh, look, it's been a great week. And it's also the lead-up. When I was talking to you, I think you were saying there was 9,000 parades throughout, so people getting a good look at these horses before they've even taken the auction ring. That's exactly right, yeah. So we started Monday week ago or whatever, whatever it was, you know, and, mm. um, yeah, so we're just under, under 10,000 individual parades. We've got 75 horses here, so... You know, so obviously they've sort of been out 150 times each, sort of thing, um, before they go through the ring. And we've got a we've got a we've got a team of 65 people here between um, the, the hospitality area and uh, and and looking after these horses every minute of, of every day. Um, so it's a big old go. Is there a plan that goes into this, Mark? Are you, are you saving the best till last, or is it is it quite a, a, a you know a process that you've got? You know, nailed down. Or does any of your horses go out at any time, or is there a process that you stick to? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's alphabetical order. There is. Um, so yep. um, yeah, you sort of within reason you get what you're given. But uh, book one's a, a sale over three days, and, and two of them have, we've already had, and then the and then the last day today. And um, yeah, I think that's been a catalogue of about 600, 600 horses, but over six hundred horses. So. Um, yeah, two days down, one to go, and um, then there's a couple, couple more days. Um, what they call book two, um, not quite the pedigrees of, of book one um, that, are, that are at the end of the week. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a big international sort of spectacle for um, all of us here in, in New Zealand, and uh, it's good getting everybody on the ground and uh, showing off, um, showing off, and hopefully selling well these um, these in, these incredible horses that have been reared in the best country in the world to rear horses. Well, you'd know personally the ones that are in your stable, well, 75 in fact of them. Uh, is there anything you could lead us? Who's been the heavy hitters in terms of big wallets going out there and shutting their shoulders around buying plenty? And is there anything that in your stable that you think could potential or has a lot of potential to look forward to in the race game? Yeah, well, look, at, look, you know, like New Zealand, New Zealand, the New Zealand horse has had an incredible year, an incredible decade mm. internationally. But... Uh, and certainly, you know, the, the you know the deeds of the, the likes of I wish I win who who didn't go through a sale, we were, we were, had to retain him ourselves and 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 whatnot throughout Australia. You know, this year has been quite incredible. But so sales wise, buyers wise, you know, David Ellis, he's lined up again. He um, runs an incredible <laughs> trip there. Um, you know, he, he spent I think it was eight million over at the Gold Coast, and I think he's I think he's near on that again here and. Um, so they run an incredible, uh, an, an incredible show there, getting people involved in the game. Peter Moody, he paid 1.6 million for a filly the other day off uh, off, off Hallmark Stud, Stud, which was a great result um, for them. And um, he's he's bought well. Friedman, you know, through the Friedman family, they've uh, they're featured pretty strong in the in the buyers bench. And yeah, as I say, you know, that, that their international um, operations that that, mm. that work at the top of the game. And they're here buying the New Zealand horses. I wish I win. You took us on a hell of a journey last year, mate. Everest, so close. What's on the cards for I wish I win this year? 
Yeah, so he's um, had a good break after it. It was an incredible ride. Um, mm. You know, I think everybody that had anything to do with that whole uh, preparation and that whole, um, you know, the whole gig um, put in 110%. There was one thing that was out of our control, and that was the draw. And, 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 the, and the drawing one didn't help us. We got stuck down on the rail, but he was very game, very, you know, very gallant. Um, and uh, he's had a good break after that. And... Uh, he had three weeks in the water walker uh, recently, then two weeks at, you know, with a bit of beach training. He's back in the stable now, two or three weeks back in the stable. And we'll just bring him along, and when he gets to peak fitness, he'll have his first run. It looks like it's going to be in the, T- in the TJ Smith on the 6th of April, and he'll he'll probably sort of um, follow the same pattern as last year and uh, and lead in and have another crack at that uh, Everest. Hopefully we get a better draw, and hopefully we go half a head better this year. Beautiful, mate, Mark. Awesome. Thanks for that info on I Wish I Win and all the best for the next couple of days or today at uh, Karaka Sales and I hope it all goes well, mate. Thanks so much and great to catch up on the weekend. Good man, Izzy. See you soon. Cheers, bud. There is Mark Chittick, my cuddle starter, yeah, running a stable and I Wish I Win. You'd know that one, uh, Ricardo. Took us on that journey last Mm. year, inspired the whole nation, like all the memorabilia, merchant, Merchandise going around, hoodies, hats, it was everywhere. Yeah, it was, man. I, I remember seeing it everywhere, and uh, all mm. the talk was about I wish I win, and it was so close, as he said, half a head different, eh? Yeah, half a head, think about it, just got the nod, but this year could be something different. you think Barry won, you'd be happy, but no, he wasn't happy because he got stuck behind Huey Bowman and Espiona. So you want, you want three, ideally, three, four? Barrier? Yeah, you, yeah, three, four, maybe mid-pack. Just get yourself in a nice position to posse up because he once he got out, I wish I win, he was going to brain, think about it. Mm. But he just couldn't quite get out long arm um, quick enough and then just lost on a, on a nod at the, at the line. There you go. That is your Love Racing update. Love Racing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles and more. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. We'll catch up with Dan McCarty next. Couple of minutes away from nine o'clock. That means not too far away from Daniel McCarty taking over and running the cutter through till midday. A reminder to you too, Sir Clive Lloyd on with Mark Stafford just after one o'clock today. Make sure you have that in your phone and uh, you do not miss that interview. That'll be uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Daniel, good morning to you, sir. Morning, fellas. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good. Just watching uh, Wrexham leading Blackburn 1-0 in the FA Cup at uh, Ewood Park. And uh, yeah, maybe the Hollywood story will continue. Yeah, good to see a club that doesn't get much coverage doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did take them. Uh, Wrexham to win or draw and Paul Mullen to score at 460. And? Who well, scored? It wasn't him, unfortunately. So hopefully they've got right. another one in them. Hopefully they've got another one in Matt, them, mate. Matter uh, of time, fellas. How... I don't know about you boys. I'm feeling innovated after that. Innovated. I'm completely drained of energy after that sporting weekend. A long, long weekend. We'll do our very... What an awesome few days we have had. And I can't wait to, to chat to our listeners about it. John Norman's going to join us out of Talk Sport to, to look at the state of Test cricket. Matty White out of SEN in Australia to look at Australian sport. Uh, and a whole lot more, including uh, we do hope plenty of callers. If you can't speak this week, yeah, after that weekend, I, d- I don't know. I don't know what will inspire you. Yeah, well, so looking I, forward to ripping into it. I hope. I hope that you bring uh, Maddie White in with I don't know what a bit of Peter Tosh, maybe a bit of Bob Marley, something like that. 